0: This episode of Saturday Morning Rewind brought to you by Voice Actors Rock, a charity concert to benefit vh one Save the Music Foundation. Sunday, July 17th at the world-famous Whiskey-A-Go-Go in Hollywood. Presented by VoiceChasers.com. Featuring music performances by Jess Harnell and his band Rock Sugar, Tom Kenny, E.G. Daly, Troy Baker, Jim Cummings, Debbie Derryberry, and Robbie Rist. Hosted by James Arnold Taylor. For tickets and more information, visit voiceactorsrock.org. Use promo code SATURDAY20 for $20 off. That's
1: SATURDAY20. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. For the safety of you and others, please make sure all hands, feet, and arms remain inside, and please Watch your children. And now, let the show begin. Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind, a show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. So let's go back in time to when cats
0: defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked
1: duck protected the streets of Saint Canard. I am the terror
2: that flaps in the night.
1: And knowing was half the battle.
2: Yo yo!
1: Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidel.
0: Hey Toonsters, welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. And I know I say this quite a bit, I'm not lying when I do say it, but this episode you're about to hear is one of my all-time favorite interview episodes I've ever done. I'm not lying, I promise you. this episode is with Chris Potter, the super talented Chris Potter, who can be heard as Gambit in the X-Men animated series from the 90s.
1: Everyone can relax. Gambit has returned. You want to play with Gambit? Yeah, take a card. Life don't get much better than death. It's me petite. <laughs> I reckon so. Five cards start. Jack's so better to open. Quickly! I knew you would rescue us. Now.
0: Don't y'all leave now. The fun just started. But he was also featured in a lot of live-action TV series like Kung Fu The Legend Continues and uh, Silk Stockings, both in the 90s. And recently he can be seen on a show called Heartland, which is a Canadian series that you only see in Canada, but I just checked, it's on Netflix and you can buy it on Amazon, so go check that out because Chris is a super, super talented guy and and honestly super nice guy too. Like I said before in this podcast, I was crazy obsessed about the X-Men animated TV show from the 90s, and I'm not lying when I say that Gambit was and still is my favorite character from the show, and I honestly think that Chris had a lot to do with that. the voice he gave Gambit was perfect and without him, I want to say I probably wouldn't like it nearly as much as I do now. So thank you Chris for everything you did for that show. I think it made it truly a classic in my eyes. I know I've mentioned it before in the show how when I was 12 when the show came out, um, I used to sit in front of my old TV in Reno, Nevada and pop in an old uh, video cassette into the VCR, and record every single X-Men episode in order. I would take out all the commercials, and uh, I think I did that up until like season 3 or season 4-ish. And then I would go back and just rewatch each episode over and over and over again. But uh, And then my dad would take me to the local comic book store, and I would buy the X-Men Adventures. Remember those? All they were were comic versions of the animated series. So... I would just go home, watch the series, and I remember camping out in my backyard, setting up a tent just so I could read my comic books, and X-Men Adventures was the number one comic I read at that time because I was so obsessed with this show. But before I play the episode, remember to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter is at Saturday Rewind. Facebook, just type in Saturday Morning Rewind. And uh, you know, you can even befriend me if you want to, personally. Just type in Tim Nidell. It's always very cool to to meet animation lovers out there. And, of course, remember to rate and subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Those really, really, really do help out. And also remember there's a donation tab on the main website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. So if you like what you hear and want to help out, any penny helps, honestly, because there's a lot of fees that are involved with podcasting and website hosting. But anyways, hope you guys enjoy yourself because I definitely did doing this one. I love this episode. And if you guys like it, I'd love to hear some feedback. You can uh, message me on Facebook, Twitter, or the website. Either way works. I'd love to hear from you guys. Anyway, here is Chris Potter.
1: Chris. (laughs) Jimmer, How you doing, man? I'm good. So, I'm calling you in Bozeman, Montana?
0: I'm actually in Missoula. The phone number's from Bozeman,
1: though. Oh, either way. Bozeman, Missoula, it's Montana. I know, exactly.
0: I, actually, I love,
1: I love a Montana. I, now, where is it again, Montana?
0: Missoula. <laughs> oh, just right right below you.
1: I'll tell you where it is. It, yeah, <laughs> right below where I am right now. Except you turn right at left, left bridge. Oh, okay. Good to know, good <laughs> to know. <laughs> I'm not from, I'm not from these parts, but I, I should be by now. I've been out in Calgary for so long. Yeah. Are we recording this right now?
0: We are we are actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, I know. Okay. Yeah,
0: I was actually looking at Google Maps last night to see exactly where you know Calgary was and it's directly eight hours north of me, exactly.
1: I find that it's exactly in the middle of no entertainment business.
0: Yeah, yeah, I
1: can agree <laughs> but, with that. But I am working on what I hope is an entertaining television show. It seems to have uh, stayed uh, popular enough to last for ten. I know 10th
0: season. I, saw, I actually read that it's like the longest running like our series in Canada. Is that right? Yeah, but there's there's
1: no competition. Oh really? So,
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. My theory is always just lie in the weeds. Yeah. Yeah. Like a like a big old you know pike or bass. You just lie in the weeds and don't let anybody know that you're doing well. I, just, I should not have just said that. Oh, man, you could be, you're could going to be fired tomorrow? Honestly, the less attention you draw to yourself, the longer things seem to go. Oh, exactly.
0: No, I, I wanted to start from the, kind of the beginning. Um, you kind of came from a family that had a lot of, you know, your dad was a pro football player, your mom was a Trouble? singer. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. We all come from that, I think.
1: <laughs> I actually, when I think about that, I was thinking about that the other day, and I, I thought... Where we lived in, you know, I was born in Toronto, Toronto, and I grew up in London, Ontario, which was kind of equal distance between Detroit and somewhat to Buffalo. And, of course, Toronto was the major Canadian city near, nearest. But it was, um, I don't know, for a young boy, it was a magical time in southern Ontario. And it was, it was a time when, the border between the United States and Canada was working in such harmony. So yeah. many people were were benefiting from both sides. The um, I spent so many years in Detroit, Michigan, uh, being a fan at the Tigers' games and being a huge fan of the Red Wings. And in the summers, spent time with my Amer- my American side friends that would come up, who had summer homes. Throughout Southern Ontario, along the Lake Lake Huron, so over the years, those families became actually became blended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Summer romances turned into brother and sister in laws. It was a, it was a really interesting time formatively for sports for me as a boy uh, and for entertainment because i i got I, I got the best of the um, the American shows and I got the Canadian perspective. Of, of shows, which which was happening on both sides of the board. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I think it, it, things have changed somewhat. You know, they have, they evolved. But um, I, I was such a TV kid, cartoon kid. Oh yes, tell me about that. And my, well, my favorite shows were coming out of Detroit. I, I probably was more a, of a television show kid, but. I think cartoon wise, my earliest, uh, my serious favorite for a serious cartoon was Johnny Quest. Oh, yeah, that's a great and one. And Johnny and Race and, uh, Haji, you know, and yep. Bandit, they were, for a young boy, they just spoke to me because they were on quests all over the world. Yeah. In fact, for my rock, my rock and roll, youthful rock and roll days, I, I went by the alias Johnny Quest
2: <laughs>
1: as a singer. Um, when our behavior had was, you know, maybe something I didn't want to yeah own up to or something. Yeah. But uh no, the the musical influence, the cartoon, the television show influence. I mean I can name I can quickly name a few others that like Daniel Boone was huge for me as that. That year oh, I was in was the sixties seventies and, and um I I read a lot of comics in the summer at the cottage, as we would call it in Canada, or camp, people called it, or summer home. So, uh, I piled through through a lot of comic books, and I I really don't remember what exactly was my favorite back then. You know what I loved most about the comics? Actually, was the back page where they had the offer for uh, if you if you sold greeting cards or something (laughs) like that, (laughs) you could get all this cool stuff that didn't exist. Anywhere near where you lived,
0: like a spy kit and all that kind of stuff.
1: Spy kits and you know powders and the elixirs and, and tricks and you know X-ray <laughs> so X-ray
0: goggles that you can see through clothing. I remember those.
1: Oh yeah, I, you know I really
0: never believed that. Oh no, even
1: when I was a kid, <laughs> somehow it didn't they didn't get me on that one. That era for me was a foundation, I, and I think it was. Um, I just look back at it as a magical time. So this is, that was a long way getting back to your question
2: about my family. Oh, no, my I love that. Being... I love
0: that. How you was branched off, talk about the cartoons angle, because that's what my show is. It's about reliving your childhood and remembering those cartoons. Cause I'm the same way. If it wasn't for my childhood, I would be nothing like I am. You know, I, I look back with so many amazing memories and I thank my parents for everything they've done. And, uh,
1: it was just an amazing time. Well, you do have a, Show about cartoons as a grown man. So exactly, I suppose. I suppose your parents. Are,
2: I'm
1: just kidding. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought I should have a podcast. You know, everybody's doing it, but I don't do any social media. And yeah. I held a meeting last year at Christmas and said, to, like, "We managed to get all four of our kids in the same house for 48 hours, uh, Christmas." And I said, "I'm thinking of possibly." going and getting an account on Twitter, and they, like, unanimously and simultaneously yelled out, don't, no, Dad, you'll ruin your life. (laughs) And I I said, why? You drink too much and you don't have a filter.
2: Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That could be a bad thing.
1: So those kids are good for something. They (laughs) they have
2: saved me in.
0: Many others. Yeah, your heartland run might cut a little short if you go on Twitter then.
1: <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I um, yeah, am not much of a, I'm not much, I'm not at all of a, uh, at all a social media person. We can talk about that in a minute, I suppose, but, uh, let's get back to answering the first question. I, because I'd love to, to answer it about my, my mom and dad, um, when you asked, because, uh, my dad was a professional athlete and a mm-hmm. coach in university in this town of London he he grew up in Toronto, Ontario. Okay. And my mother they met when my my mother was uh, about 17 years old, or 18. She was from Kitchener-Waterloo. She happened to have won at the time what would be the Canadian Idol. <laughs> American okay. Idol. Of, wow. You know, at the time and it, it was called the Lipton Talent Search and she she was 16 years old when she won it. Paul Anka was the winner for the men. And she really did have a gift. And uh, she met my father. And lo and behold, a couple of years later, they, they were married. And I was born uh, when my mother was 21, 20. And my father, who wanted to be in the clothing, the toggery business, ended up uh, having to get serious and got a job and continued his involvement with football. So cut to my father being a strong influence on my brother and I and and sister in sports, and my mother with this powder keg of a voice, but um, singing primarily in the home at that point. So she got involved in local theater when we transferred to London, Ontario, and that's when it all began. For me, she exposed us, my brother and I to musicals and to Mm -hmm. her, her interests, and my father, and neither of them. Competed. They were just trying to be parents, exposing their kids to things. So, I just it for me. uh, I excelled at sports as a boy, uh, naturally, but I really gravitated toward the arts. So I was that hockey-playing, football-playing guy that was in the school musical every year, Mm -hmm. and I was doing theater as a little guy, marching around on stage. And so you know, I think your book—you're just born, born with it, born. Of certain interests yeah. I see that with my own children. So uh, it came as no surprise to my family as uh, that I would gravitate toward life and entertainment. Although it did come as a surprise that I would wait so long to do it because it was when I got just after I got married, I was twenty seven years old. Oh wow. And that's not the best time to pull the shoot. No. Especially no. on your wife's family. Saying, Oh and by the way, now I'm gonna quit my good job <laughs> And I'm gonna take a fly around this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It was intervention or something. It worked out.
0: And I know your big break here in the states, at least, was uh, kung fu. The legend continues. How did you? How yeah, did you I would
1: look- I would say that 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 was definitely. I mean, without a doubt, that was a big launch for me because I'd done a series in Canada for three years prior to that, mm-hmm. and um, that was a. For me, um, you know, nothing really happens when you do a series in Canada. It's sort of, it's not leverage, you know, yeah. um, want to make it in this industry, you got to make it in the U.S. and, um, or at least compete there mm-hmm. and build your career. Uh, with, with that job, I was in, in my third year of a series called Material World and I was going to be, uh, doing another year it looked like and, and was asked to audition for, um, this new Warner brothers. Warner brothers was going to start a new television network called the prime time entertainment network, which I think was the precursor to the, the WB. Okay. So they were going to have three new shows, time tracks, battle on five and Kung Fu: and the legend continues. So I think I put it on something on tape. Oh no, that's not how it went. Uh, I, I'm sorry. i tell you how it went. I actually put myself on tape for a new series called baby top based on the movie. Look who's talking. Oh wow. And within 24 hours I had a contract in front of me and was being flown first class to Los Angeles with, where I'd never been before picked up by limo driven to the set of Tony Danza's who's the boss signed the contract with the lawyer, Walked on stage with Connie Selica, I think it was, huh. and read for a dark, uh, you know, audience full of suits. And uh, the other guy that read and that, and he said, uh, you know, very nice guy. Said, you know, this I've done a few of these pilots, and one of them, one of us is going to get our throat cut here. Or something like that. Oh, nice. I'm thinking, well, I hope it's not me. <laughs> but uh, I got. I did the audition, and then I was dismissed, and I went back it was staying at the Sportsman's Lodge. The Sportsman's Lodge on Ventura Boulevard, and it was it was the coolest experience for me, but also um, stressful and nerve-wracking.
0: I bet. Your first time there, too. I,
1: yeah, exactly. First time there, but no, let's talk about the money. <laughs> I'd, I'd been working my ass off up to that point, in the insurance industry with my father. And uh, the kind of money that I saw, the numbers I saw in that contract were enough to throw you off your game. So as I was hyperventilating in my room, the phone rang and it was my agent, Jerry Zeitman. I said, "Right, bring you been? I said, well, I just came back from the studio. Thing. I said, what's going on? He said, you didn't get it. I said, oh, really? Oh, what? What did I do wrong? <laughs> I was very subjective. He said, I said well, what, what do I do now? He said, well, you kid, you just keep trying. So, said, I've got something for you this afternoon. I want you to go over to Warner Brothers. They're going to do the new Kung Fu with David Carradine. And I said, you mean the David Carradine, like from 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. I said, "Where's has he been?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Jerry said, don't worry. He doesn't drink anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I said, okay. You know. I knew nothing about David. Uh now that wasn't accurate. So I uh I said, by the way, who is the other uh, the other guy I met that read and he? He said, Oh, his name's George Clooney. He said, He's been kicking wow. around town for a few years. I want him to do it. I said, Oh, okay. Wow. So how do I get to Warner Brother? So I went over and I think I read and they wanted to test me the next morning. And uh, I showed up with David, just standing there. I, it was 10 a.m. test. I got there early. David showed up with a driver. And he was leaning against the wall of uh, Warner Brothers building on Pass Avenue with an English oval in his mouth, smoking. And um, I'd had the foresight to ask Jerry, I said, what, "What does David do? What does he like?" And he said, "Well, he loves horses." He said, "Okay." So I had still had the Toronto paper with me from the flight. So I went to country properties in the back section. I thought, yeah, here's a bunch of horse properties to rent. Maybe that'll start a conversation. So I, I came up to David and <laughs> I said, hi, I'm the guy reading for the role. And he looked at me, oh, yeah. And I realized, I think he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it's early. <laughs> <laughs> let's not say drunk, but let's say that doesn't smell like orange juice. Yeah, so yeah. I, I said, here, you might be interested in this. And he, he looked at the pair and I said, those are all the horse properties that are for rent right outside of Toronto. Where, where they were going to film this Kung Fu series. Uh-huh. That was the location. So he said, oh, thanks. He said, look, at, don't worry about a thing. I said, okay. So in we went and we read. For every executive that was in the building that time of day, and I think because they were making a very large investment in this network idea, and we had everyone in there, the the president at the time. And I was nervous as shit. But I realized as we got started that no one was watching me, and they were all watching David, and they were probably thinking, are we... (laughs) Is he drunk, or is he just like that? <laughs> is he gonna? Are we investing in this car? <laughs> or he was mesmerizing. Let's go with mesmerizing. There you go. there you go. So anyway, it ended, and I went out, and I lied down on the floor of John Levy's office, the casting director, Levy Levy, and I, I couldn't. I, I was kind of having, a, you know, an anxiety attack or something. Just I was, just taking a breath. And David came out, and he kicked me in the ribs. I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. I, thought, you know, I thought, well, there's a guy with brothers. You know? He doesn't put his hand down to help you out. He just yeah. boots me in the side. He goes, you got it. He wow. goes, you drink? I said, sure. He said, let's celebrate. <laughs> so we went over to El Torito across from pa- the, on Pass, across from Warner Brothers, in the back door at about 10.30 in the morning. And the guys in the kitchen all knew Dave. They were, hello, David. Hello. Oh, oh, good morning. You know, and, and we went. <laughs> and and served them up. Uh, now, there were no cell phones then. The, yeah. the ones that were available were the size of an army phone. So. Yeah. So um, I couldn't get a hold of anybody. And we ended up there until about 2 in the afternoon. And, uh, He took me out to his ranch eventually, asked me if I had a car, and I I did, and I could not get to a phone to confirm that this, because he could have been wrong. They could have changed their mind. Yeah,
0: yeah, you never know.
1: Well, I spent the afternoon out there, and I'll cut the story shorter, but bottom line is I ended up with that job, and for the next five years, I spent almost every day with him, not to mention... The times that he spent at our house, oh, wow. while while we were filming, and he and his wife, you know, at that time were on the outs, and so we spent a lot of time together, and I miss him terribly. Yeah. Uh, um, and my wife Karen really loved Dave. He was a, such a gentleman around Karen and the kids, and we got to know his kids. And, you know, it was it was a real uh, break for me in many ways in my life. Did you um, did you keep
0: in touch with him up until he passed away?
1: Every uh, Constantly. Wow. Yeah, in fact, two days before. So, oh, man. And now there's a guy that was a huge comic book fan. Oh, really? And, yeah, massive. He loved magic and he loved comics and, and superheroes. He was way more into that than I was. Oh, that would yeah. be amazing. I mean, yeah. I,
0: if he's only alive today, he would definitely be like in a Marvel movie.
1: Oh, he was. Yeah, he was. A, he, he was a Stanley character. Yeah. Oh, man, that would be amazing.
0: Now, tell so, me. Go ahead. mine my... once. I'll let you go ahead. <laughs> One of my favorite cartoons of all time, I'm not lying, this is the X-Men animated series. And I'm not lying when I say this. Gambit is still my favorite character from that
1: show. He is cool. Oh, yeah. Gambit. I was always shocked that when they did the movies, they never had him. Yeah, I always thought he was cool in Wolverine.
0: Yes, me too.
1: When, when we did, we did that uh, animated series. I've had no experience doing a, a cartoon voiceover of any sort. I also haven't since. Um, it's the only cartoon I've ever done. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably lacking a couple things there because I would love to do cartoons. And and probably lacking a good, a better agent, and more talent. So, I, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not scriptures there's anything they can do about the second one. It was so much fun doing that kind of stuff at the time. And um, I thought when I read that, and then I got in, I got the job, and I got in there, and I said, oh, I wish I could have done Wolverine. But uh, Cal Dodd, at the time, he did Wolverine, and <laughs> all the people that played the major X-Men characters at the time. I, I thought they looked like the actual character in the cartoon. <laughs> like, jo- George pl- played Beast, yeah. looked like Beast, and little Alice in Court looked like Betty, and, uh, you know, and, and Rogue was Lenora Zahn, and she looked like, you know, like her character. Yeah. Um, it was bizarre.
0: Yeah, you really well, I
1: loved gambit too and I thought when those movies came out, oh great. I know get to play Gambit in the movie. Oh man. And I looked like yeah. You do, I mean, you, could, you really do. I could, I could I could look and I could play that role. <laughs> so we did the first movie, they they called me into audition for Cyclops. What? And I was I was like, What? Well Gambit wasn't in the movie. Yeah. So I went in and I said, Cyclops I said, Well, you know, I don't even like Cyclops,
2: yeah, first
1: of all, he's a, he's a student, and I don't know if I could do a whole movie with that with those funky sunglasses all across my head,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, I remember I was in there meeting with him, and this kid poked his head in the door with a camera and kind of looked at me and turned around and left. I thought, "Oh, that must be one of the producers' kids or something. Well, it was Brian Singer who oh, looked wow. like a kid. yeah, he did. I think he was twelve when he directed that, <laughs> but um, he must have that was his way. He checked me out. And, I took it personally anyway, but because <laughs> <laughs> I take everything in the business. <laughs> no, it, it, it was. It, so tell me what what was it about Gambit that you liked? You just needed a character I mean, like that at that time in your I, life?
0: Maybe I, I was twelve when it came out, and Gambit yeah, was, so he just, was he was the coolest even way more cooler than Wolverine. I I don't know what, and I lived, I was about to move to Florida. I was in Reno at the time, Reno, Nevada, about to move to Florida. So I was about to, you know, get access to the Southern accent and we visited there just before X-Men came out. So maybe it was just a Southern accent, the Louisiana accent. And he was just, you know,
1: you know, that sounds to me like for you, you you, you actually did need those comics like at that time. I actually did from Reno, Nevada to Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Gambit offered that bit of um, independence. He was, he was a loner in a way. I always loved that about his character because he, he wasn't part of the team, yep. but he respected the team. Yep. And he loved being with the team. He just wasn't capable of really living. He wasn't much of a joiner. He wasn't capable of living with, in harmony with a group of people, but he always had their back. He wanted to belong and he wanted to be loved, which which was the great thing between that rogue and gambit relationship.
0: Yeah, no, I love that so much. I mean, there's actually real chemistry even in the animation form when it came down to you guys. And you know,
1: for Lenore Zahn and I at that time, Lenore was a knockout. Yeah, I know she was. And I I had the and I had the power of the kinetic wedding ring on my finger, <laughs> and still do. <laughs> so. We could actually stand in the same studio, and we could not touch each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of fun being in that studio, too, because you know, it blew me away with the, voice, the pro voice actors. I know a couple of guys I really miss, I haven't seen for a long time, that I used to play a lot of hockey with, Robbie Paulson and yeah. Dave Coulier, um, who are <laughs> two of the funniest, greatest people. Yeah,
0: I've had both the them uh, You lot. know,
1: if I lived in... Uh, lived in or near LA again I would I would love to hang out with those guys again. But you know, they just keep you gut laughing for hours when you're with people like that. Um, that have that multi voice talent. So we do X Men and there'd be Cal Dodd and Norm um, who would play who played Cyclops. I mean, at times, there would be four or five Jack Nicholson imitations going on <laughs> at once in the studio, in between takes, and I, I was—I just—I just loved doing it. I, except for me, I was just listening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me I just, too. I was just doing my part. Yeah.
0: And what about what about that voice?
1: How did you come to that Louisiana? I mean, did you... well, you know, the, the thing about the Cape—it's a Cajun patois, so. You know, I, I mean, I immediately knew that was a mixture of, in my world, French-Canadian. Yeah, exactly. And Southern, uh, yeah, Southern, Deep South. So, uh, you know, I, never, I don't know if I ever did it correctly, but I tried to get the spirit of it and didn't get any complaints, really. No. But I just tied in that French-Canadian experience that I had, and the, the Southern experiences that I had pretty much is going to Florida um, and just did a hybrid when I did the, the first uh, audition for it. Mm-hmm. But um, I was really a newbie to all of that. I was so consumed at the time with the schedule for the, the Kung Fu series because I was working so many hours that I'd go in and do the, the X-Men sort of on lunches and breaks and things. And, uh, you know, it was pretty heady, uh, time for sort the of volume of work I was doing. And I don't know if I really appreciated what was being done, uh, animation wise. Yeah. Um, and knew enough about the X Men at the time. When I look back and I see, you know, I still have a, a Stan Lee gave us all, or I hope gave us all. I, I've got one. It's a cell from the cartoon, the actual cell of Gambit. Oh, man. And signed by him thanking us. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, a couple of different paraphernalia jackets and things like that that I've kept, not knowing fully why initially. Uh, of course, the cell is just cool.
0: Yes, it is. I collect cells, so that would be amazing.
1: Yeah. Actually... Yeah, there's a massive market for um, memorabilia. My my daughter, Quinn, uh, who's 23 is got. Got a great position with Upper Deck, uh, sports and trading and memorabilia. And she, she deals in that world all the time. And she said, "Yeah, Dad, we get requests for cards." She said, "You wouldn't believe what people pay for certain cards they're looking for, you know, in this yep. business and memorabilia." Oh yeah, for sure. And I imagine cells would be a collectible thing. Oh
0: yeah, I have I have about maybe a hundred on my wall in my office right here where I'm at today. And uh, I have one from X Men, I have a saber tooth cell, it's a really
1: cool one. You'd probably love a gambit cell, wouldn't oh, you? Oh,
0: for sure. For sure.
1: I'm a... not gonna tell you where I live then. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come on. You have to. <laughs> but, but
1: but now I know a guy that wants it, just into
0: There you go. So if you ever want to get rid of it, I'm here.
1: <laughs> I don't even know where it is right now. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> No, that, uh, that so back to the voice, that's where the, the voice came from. Um, it, it was just a, the hybrid of the two. And, um, you know, the, the producer would say, okay, Chris uh, Gambit has just been hit by a laser beam in the chest, knocked back 20 feet, then he gets clothed by a garbage can, and then he's pulled up by his neck and dropped from the top of the skyscraper on, okay, here we go. And action, you know, you're doing all the walla and action sounds of <laughs> trying to, trying, okay, what, what, how do I sound again when I'm hit by a laser beam? <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's a very creative process yep. because they animate to your voice too. Oh yeah. So, yeah. To down. So it's kind of, it's fun, but it's also it's swimming in uncharted water. So uh, Improvisational, which I'm all for.
0: Are you able to do the voice now? Have you done it in a while? I always wanted to do Wolverine. (laughs) Yes, that's a cool one.
1: Uh, You try that one more time. I'll slice that moose meat from between your legs and turn it into a beaver dam. <laughs> I don't, I don't oh, think he ever said no. that. The That's the character I wanted. Yes, yes. Wolverine. I don't know if I. Gambit. I don't let me think you could probably do this. You, 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 is this what you, I can see this coming. And, um, ooh, give me a second. <laughs> I'm sorry, Wolverine just comes to mind. Uh, Gambit. Well, Gambit would say, uh, "Well." <clears throat> Well, there's always more gators in the Bayou shell. Right? Nice. Yeah. That sounds
0: Hello, like... shell. He, he he called uh, what did he call Rogue um, Yeah,
1: he called he called he called Petite was
0: uh Yeah, Petit was was Jubilee, was, right?
1: Was, was Jubilee and uh Gambit's Gambit always called Rogue shell. Yep. Shell. Desert that right. Yeah, it was, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's, there you That's go. about all I got for you. <laughs> it's <was> perfect. <laughs>
0: perfect. <laughs> now, why?
1: Yeah, I'll show you. He said, pay for it with this. Uh-huh. He, he said, "Pay pay for that with this, bro. This is a real charge card." There you go. You still got it. And I don't know. <clears throat> so I'm not called upon for it yeah I bet but uh, I sure love doing it
0: now how come in the last season you were absent in the in the last episodes how come Gambit had a different I think, voice? I think
1: what happened there is I went immediately on to another series that filmed in San Diego, California okay which was called Silk Stockings yeah. on uh, the USA network and it was another full schedule but I wasn't available to do the show apparently, I mean, from where I was. And, um, you know, the thing you got to remember uh, about, that I have to remember, is that I, I, you know, looking back, I think, oh, well, yeah, why wasn't I involved in it? Well, technology's changed so quickly mm-hmm. in, in our short lifespan. Uh, from the 1990s, when I started in the business, there was no Internet until 1996. So you you didn't get – if you got fan mail, per se, you actually – if you got volumes of it, you needed somebody to answer it and manage it. Mm -hmm. And that's the world I was living in at the time. And then those very people started some of the first websites for fans and connections and um, and all that kind of thing. Well, the same thing – that same technology was evolving in uh, our industry where – you know, today you, you can do uh, voice auditions or or even um, on-tape auditions. People do them with their phones. And the thought of doing a cartoon, I think back in the mid-'90s, from maybe from San Diego to Toronto or to L.A., I mean, it wasn't as, as easily done, you know? I, I would think that might have had something to do with it because... I don't ever re- really remember even hearing about it. But um, anyway, I'm available. You know, I'm, I was, I'm available. <clears throat> when you're a performer, you're always available. I mean, that's your first conversation. Yeah. <laughs> then you find out the rally, I'll be I'm really <laughs> available. But uh, I'm always interested. So. How did those turn out? You, they...
0: you know, I was not a fan of the, the end of the series.
1: So there was another gambit?
0: Yeah, I think it's like maybe three or four episodes, different voice. Now,
1: Gambit is there? A Gambit in the movies now?
0: There was one in the um, Wolverine origin movie that his his off okay. movie, and uh, there's going to be you know Channing Tatum the actor. Yeah, I he's, love that. Guy. He's, he's going to be he's going to be Gambit in the up one of the upcoming X Men movies, probably coming yeah, out. Yeah, I in can a couple see years. that. Yeah, I can see that too. So finally, yeah. they're I mean they were talking about his own separate movie, but I think that was canned he's just going to appear as a X-Men and probably not this coming up movie that comes out this week, but the one comes out probably a couple of years. So finally they're going to so use I'll, him.
1: I'll be on the edge of my seat.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> now you mentioned uh, silk stockings and this is a PG show. So we can't talk too much about silk stockings, but I come from a very kind of a strict religious household. And so I wasn't allowed to watch it, but I did not. You, know, watch you it. know what's
1: weird about that? I, you know, it's so it's so funny because at the time I'd never seen that show when I got the offer. Yeah, and uh, I kept asking some guys I was playing hockey with in LA, good friends of, of mine, that. And I was saying, have you guys heard of this show?" And they said, "Oh yeah, it's popular." You know, and one of them was a lawyer; like they they were they weren't in the business. Yeah, they were regular dealers, right? Like, you know, uh, with. Smart guys with good opinions, and they never really gave me the idea that it was kind of off. You know, this show was risque, but um, I do recall, in the whole time I was negotiating a deal, I wasn't. I, I kept asking for tape. Can I see the show, please? Can I please <laughs> see the show? And I never really got any saying it's coming, it's coming. Wow! And we ended up, I um, signed, and and then I got these four. Video cassettes that arrived, and I remember putting one in. And I was sitting with my wife Karen, and you know, okay, honey, here's the new here's the new <laughs> gig. And it opens up with a guy, you know, licking a woman's leg, yeah, from yeah. Her, her toes to her thigh. And my heart was in my throat. Now, I'd be, I'd, at the time, all my kids were wee little things running around, and I just come off of being a, a TV action hero, so mm-hmm. and this was going to be a cop. You know. but um, my heart was in my throat, only because it just caught me off guard. Because I thought it was a detective show. So, yeah. the only thing was though, uh, the, the script. They were looking for a new partnership, and the script that I got read like Moonlighting. Do you remember that show? I do. I do remember that show. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I thought the premise it was great. It's t- a divorced. Couple of detectives, cop detectives, that, homicide detectives, that work exceptionally well together as a de- de- detective team, but can't live with each other outside of work, but are still in love with each other, mm-hmm. and neither will admit it. So, uh, well, that's a pretty promising setup. And Stephen Cannell had written the first script, and it read, you know, it was smooth as butter. And um, I was so excited about it doing it. So the version I did for the four years was not the one that you weren't allowed to watch. Yeah. Because yeah. we really toned it down. You did. And we, fo- we focused on the that couple.
0: Yeah. The, yeah, the funny thing is I don't remember any Silk stockings before you came along. I watched
1: it when you came along. And yeah, and would you say it was that, was it that, you know, risque really? I, th-
0: I think, like you said, only the intro was risque to me.
1: As a sixteen-year-old right. kid, exactly, and I exactly, and you know, I I actually got into it with Sam about that intro,
0: oh, really,
1: because I said I said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Actually, it was kind of about wardrobe. I said, if you're going to do that, why don't you do some up-to-date lingerie stuff <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> looks like it might be my mother walking.
2: Yeah, past no it. kidding. <laughs>
1: And then i remember, like, what's wrong with the very time? I just said, okay, there's no talking to you guys. But, <laughs> yeah. I was trying to bend that show into something else, but you know, I was just a hired hand. So
0: well, you guys definitely brought new life to it. I think
1: it was a blast and we had, you know, I started directing them and which I really enjoy. And I also, the location was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and raising our kids in La Jolla, uh, you know, boy, were they pissed when I took my next job (laughs) job in Canada thinking, well, this is going to be really good for the children because they're going to be near their grandparents, Mm -hmm. all of their extended family. How lucky we're going to do a American um, production, but film it in Canada. I said, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to get back, go back home and, the kids to know. Well, you know, they're thinking, when is this cruel holiday going to end? They brought us on to Canada because they were growing up in La Jolla. Mm-hmm. I say to them today, you know, La Jolla is a place you end up. It's not a place you grow up <laughs> because it's it's rarefied air. It's, it's, to me, I just thought, there, there's no way these guys are going to be well adjusted growing up in a place like La Jolla where everyone has everything and every day is like a day on Prozac, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So they've, uh, seen the world. My children and been educated and, uh, continue, uh, and a travel, you know, they, and they've just made their own decisions. And one of, one of my kids went straight back and, is building her life there oh nice the others are ambivalent um, i've got one in new york one in vancouver one in ontario so um you know, anyway
0: so let's fast forward you know, a little bit great place to live let's fast forward a little bit and talk but, about heartland tell me sure. about heart I've, i haven't seen it we don't get it up here I, I think it's on netflix though i think
1: yeah but i think well here's why um the thing about Heartland is it started in, in 2007. At the time, the Canadian dollar had really, it was not a, a, advantageous for the U.S. producers to be okay. taking advantage of. Them. And there was a writer's strike. And their work was, there was reality television. Oh, yes. Oh. And there, there was a real uh, lull in opportunity for the creative side of the business, the writers, the directors, and the actors. And, um, Heartland came along and was, it was CBC, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is government funded, you know, the the Canadian taxpayer dollar. So, um, I had, when I read that pilot, I was offered a cameo in the pilot. Hmm. And, um, when I read it, I had just, finished you know watching basically every television series and cartoon with four children that you could possibly watch up Mm -hmm. to the ages the oldest one's age at that time would have been a 17 so i realized that there was a lot of television that i would like to have watched with my kids that i just couldn't stay awake for uh and i also watched um uh, tried to do that with the Disney stuff, but I just wasn't getting any more. So I read the pilot, and I thought, you know what, I think I would stay awake for this. <laughs> I could go watch <laughs> this with my family. That was my silly instinct on it. But
2: yeah.
1: I said to my agent, yeah, let's see if we can, you know, if we, if we can make a deal. So make a long story short, we made a great deal. And my instinct was right, that it's a multi-generational family show. Mm-hmm. The, the whole family... Uh, seems to be able to watch because of the, the demographic that we seem to be entertaining. The ratings have gone up every year. Nice. That's rare. And um, it shoots in the mountains.
0: I know. I Ryan saw that. Mountain. I was watching videos. And it's, I mean, it looks like where I live here, so it's gorgeous.
1: Right. Yeah. It does look like where you live. It's, and it it's uh, spent, ten, you know, now 10 seasons, eight months a year, takes us to film. Okay. It, in the mountains. In the foothills of the Rockies. But as I said before, we're sort of on an island when it comes to the entertainment. Industry. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, you know, doing television, you're, you're booked. So it doesn't allow me to do too much. I did, I would do a movie every year, one movie, at, you know, during that. And, uh, those movies went to series and I was unavailable to do that. Oh, wow. Because of the Heartland. Uh, yeah. You know, these aren't bad problems. No, they're not the way it was. But <laughs> yeah, so Heartland's been really, really <laughs> you know, I and I play a, an ex rodeo champ who left his. Family. I play a deadbeat dad, you know, who had a drug and alcohol problem, and um, it's the watered down version of it, the Disney version of of a deadbeat dad. Yeah. The the version that really I would love to play is exists in a television series called bloodline and it's played by um uh ben mendelson i think his name is he's the version of my character on 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 big boy tv (laughs) (laughs) i I play the disney version of of that character so i you have to come to terms with that when you when you play uh as an actor, you say, well, why, don't we explore, "Why don't we explore? this explore this. It, it this could be so much fun." You know, it's a it's a compromise that
0: you make. And, and what about the merge? I mean, when you started your career, you're, you were the you know you were the hot guy. You were the the eye candy for the women to watch. And now you're playing the grandpa. What's that like?
1: It's cool. It's it, it's fantastic. You know, I I have no problem. I mean, as far as If we're talking about aging, I mean, I, I don't know. I never really thought I looked all that great back then. I I still feel the same way. I mean, I guess as far as my, your health goes and so on, I try to stay healthy, look good for your age. Exactly. But, um, the, the business has always skewed toward, you know, the leading man and, I guess what I'm saying is i when i I saw that before I got into the business, I realized, well, you know they seem there seems to be real opportunity and some longevity for a guy like me, you know and i i that's all that when you're supporting a family, so on i I was looking at where is this going you know i I never got into the business for I uh, did I did it because I, I needed to do something that I love to do, yeah. And I was at that point in my life where I realized, you know, in my 20s that, okay, I see how this works. I'm going to do something for a long period of time, and either I'm going to be really good at it and hate it, or else I can try to be really good at this and and like most of it. And I was willing to take that risk with entertainment. So as time goes on, um, I find there's always opportunity, and I've been lucky enough to, to uh you know, to sustain a, a career. and I never know really where it's headed after this. You know we should, you just hope for for another opportunity. but uh, I am at the point where if those opportunities don't come, that's okay too. So being called grandpa is kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know it, it, those are the, the stages of the, of the career, especially in television and movies. Can't really alter your appearance. All yeah, that much. I
0: mean, a lot of leading men haven't seen that. A lot of leading men men can't go from the heartthrob and sustain a successful career to be the grandpa later on.
1: Well, that exists in the business, so you know that's evident in a lot of different ways. Yeah, uh, sexuality and same with with aging and so on. It, it, you know, really shows some actors' true colors when they won't read for something. Or yeah, exactly. I always look at everything as, you know, as an opportunity. And unfortunately, you know, television has become, I think, stronger than the movie business. It's, <laughs> and at the time, I, back when I started, I, I could see that path. I thought, well, for a guy that's got four children and is used to nine to five, what, well, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go with TV, TV pays. And you can be home, tuck the kids in, and yeah. leave early in the morning. Why would I want to be in movies where I have to go on location for three or four months? That was never more evident. I got offered a role in Zorro, with on Antonio Banderas' oh, wow. movie way back when. I remember my agent called. She said, "You got. You also got an offer from this show called Silk Stockings, but it's a two-year guarantee.
2: Hmm, wow. You're going
1: to do forty-four episodes." Yeah. I said, "Out for how much?" She said, this, "And I said, what, what about the Zorro thing?'" And she said, "Well, that." that pays this and, but you're going to need to be gone for a couple of months. I, and I said, well, <laughs> let's do the <a> TV show. <laughs> that was simply, that, that was it. Wow. And you don't get a lot of guidance when you're young and those, as far as a path to take. So to me, that was a logical path and it turned out to be the right choice for me. Oh
0: yeah, definitely.
1: I definitely because think so. Our children have, uh, have lived a, a good life and not really had to move very much. We, We've moved around a, a bit in the area that we've been in. Once we get the lay of the land, for instance, in La Jolla, we lived in one place and then we bought a home. You're, you know, an area we wanted to be in. But not moving from Reno to Florida, so yep. to say. You know? <laughs> so uh, I don't mind being that grandpa. There is a grandpa on the show, too, who's a great grandpa. And it's <laughs> It's bizarre. I don't know. We have uh, the, the most important thing in all of this is writing. Yeah, same with comics, same with, you know, animated series. Writing is king. And you can only turn so much into Shinola. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. And I thought we were doing a table read. And I noticed at the end of our table reads, there's literally a lineup that might even include the caterer to make changes to the script with the writers. In fact, they invited at the end of the read. Now, if anyone has notes and all of a sudden people line up, that's amazing. I thought, I thought, you know, that's just, that's just proof because you can bet that a table reading of Hamlet at the end of it, they wouldn't say, now, does anyone have notes? Yeah. And the guy playing Hamlet yep. says, okay, yeah, I got a note. You know, the to be not to be part I'm not going to say the not to be. <laughs> I'm just going to say to be, that is the question. Because not to be is redundant. So how about, it's just from now on I'm going to do to be. That is the question. And, you know, they don't do that. Shakespeare's bulletproof. He yeah. writes an iambic pentameter so that even a, a monkey can, can perform uh, and remember the dialogue. So, uh, you know, there are degrees of that in our industry that um, are the things that that you aspire to and hope that maybe, and I, I really, uh, I really admire that and envy people is the people who the best material because um, it's a, then, then there's a whole different type of work that's required as opposed to making this good. Uh, so how am I going to say this? Is not your first thought.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I hope I say this as well as it's written. <laughs> So, what's next for you?
0: For me? Oh, man, things are going crazy. I'm, I'm starting to do some panels now at a convention. It's going to be hosting that pretty soon. <clears throat> I'd love oh. to come to Canada at some point.
1: Well, I'm not too far away. If you feel like taking a drive north, I think I'm going to go be down in Waterton Park in June. Oh, nice. I, my wife's birthday, and she just informed me there's some sort of flower festival in Waterton Lakes. And... That sounds like something I'm going to be doing. <laughs> 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 so, so I got, so I got that to look forward to. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it is beautiful down there. Well, if you ever but make maybe, your way, uh, if you ever make if, your way to Montana, maybe you should come up.
0: Oh, I would love that.
1: I would love that. Does uh, as your as your podcast show sort of expanded to the point that. You get getting interest to do other other things with it, or more specific things?
0: Or? Well, yeah, it is. <clears throat> excuse me, it is opening up. Like I said, I'm going to conventions pretty soon where I'm hope host, host doing this pretty much live on stage in front of an audience. So that's one huge thing that's going to happen. Um, and actually, there's actually being doc, there's actually a documentary being made about me that uh, a, a new friend of mine is making about the podcast. And uh, yeah, a lot of amazing doors are opening up. It's just crazy.
1: Good. Oh, that's that's got to be exciting. You have family?
0: Yeah, I have a wife and and three daughters. Oh man! Yeah, uh, twelve years Good. old, nine and four. Okay. And my so, my nine year old wanted me to tell you that she loves Gambit.
1: Well, you tell your nine year old thank you very much. Tell that no, you tell that little nine year old that that sweet petite Gambit loves her. But why don't you t- why don't you also uh, call me when you have problems? <laughs> because you're following in my footsteps with those three daughters.
2: Oh yes, I'm going
1: to tell you something. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Oh my god, you you're gonna yeah. <laughs> you're speechless I'll, right. I'll now. leave it out there for you to discover. But
0: I'm already I'm already losing my hair. I'm Me mean, to say that
1: your daughters lo- daughters love their fathers. No, they all for but sure. You, but they all change. For a year or two there. Yep. Yeah, my uh, my, teenage years.
0: My twelve-year-old is starting to change. I mean, not she's not horrible, but she's starting to be kind of a loner where she wants to be in her room by herself all the time.
1: Don't worry about any of that stuff. Just be there. Exactly. Make sure you're there for them, and um, keep smiling. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I don't know. For me, that's that's why I do all this. Are are we going to be hearing this? Oh yeah, for sure. How do I hear this?
0: Um, it'll be on, um, I have it on iTunes, on Stitcher radio. There's another, uh, app. Okay.
1: would you send it? You send it? Oh yeah. It yeah. I can, send I can just find it. Yeah.
0: I can send you the link when it comes up. Cool. So hopefully you enjoyed yourself.
1: Oh no, this is great. I, I'm sorry. I talk so much, but oh no, this is, I, I love it. I love it. Man. It's funny. You, you, I don't, you start to push a few buttons like that. <laughs> it's just wealth of, 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 memory that comes flooding back to me. Oh yeah. I and, love it. um, It's all good, you know, and that manages to be the way our memories work sometimes. You filter out the drudgery. You know, it's like I say about the business. People say, do you still love it? I say, "I, you know, I love, I absolutely love the part between action and cut.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And the rest of it is just business. The beautiful thing about those formative years, like your nine-year-old, it was at a time where, You know, you're you're creative. There are no restrictions on your creativity, and everything is make-believe, and everything is... You're hyper-aware and sensitive to all forms of of entertainment, like like the comics and cartoons. It's such a... Your first, maybe your first television uh, or your first uh, theater performances in school or your own sketches that you're doing and drawing your own characters... those are the blueprints for your adult years. And when it does become your vocation, you realize there's not much of that left of of those unaffected years of childhood You know, that forms a thing you love. And yet, if you're willing to accept that, you can find those little pieces in there along the way. And that's enough for me. Yeah. And as I say, between action and cut, I love that when I'm performing, when I'm directing, it's being fully engaged with creative people, and being on a timeline. You know that it drives you forward, and, and it forces you to be spontaneous, uh, improvisational, to be and and highly organized at the same time. I love that, but um, the rest of it, yeah, it's just it's like any other business. <laughs> you know, you take the yep. good with the bad. Well, thank you so much. No, man, I, I, I,
0: I'm a huge, a huge fan of all your stuff that I've seen. The live action, the X-Men, huge fan of your work. This has been amazing.
1: Well, you didn't get to say much. I'm a. Oh no, I, I love bit that. Of a, <laughs> bit of a mic hog. I'm sorry about
0: that. Like I said, I'm a huge fan, so it was great to hear you
1: talk about. Probably. That. Thank you very much. But I think it's that probably uh, all comes from the fact that it, you got me uh, interested in 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 this. I just realized how uh, how much fun the X-Men was to do. Oh, good. Then. Good to hear. And, I, and, I, and I miss it. I'd love yeah. to do more of that stuff.
0: So. Yeah, no, I know. I watch it all the but time. maybe
1: one day you'll hear hear my voice in something else.
0: I would love to hear that. Yeah. We, I watch X-Men all the time with my three girls, and they all love it. So you bring us all together. You sound
1: like you could, you sound like you could probably do some voice work yourself.
0: I actually have always wanted to. and It's just hard is. from Bozeman. It is hard. But nowadays you can do a lot of things online. So you, you never know. I'm making a lot of friends in the business now. I have a lot of, you know, voice actor friends, personal friends. So who knows what happens? Listen, man,
1: you you might be the next producer of, of something like oh, that. Oh yeah, oh yeah.
0: I have a lot of knowledge when it comes to that kind of stuff, so I can I can do something.
1: I'm sure you you can. You're doing this and you're doing it well. So thanks for the opportunity. Well, thank
0: you. If you're ever in Montana, hit me up. And if I'm ever in your neck of the woods, I'll hit you up.
1: Yeah, Calgary. Well, it, it would be a great place for you to, you know, to go with the girls because it in the summer of course because of the stampede and all of the stuff and, yeah and the heartland yep. experience oh yeah but um you know it's tough to get away with a group like that i know it takes some planning <laughs> yes, even it, if it's from bozeman it takes to calgary a, takes a lot of money a lot of planning yep that's right well, not to mention the cash
0: so. yeah can i get you to close the episode can i have you dust off the voice one more time to close the episode
1: out
2: Okay. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say a sweet goodbye. This is Remy LeBeau. You might know me as Gambit. Talking to all you beautiful, gifted listeners out there. Charge yourselves up every day and make sure you listen to this show. That's Remy saying over and out, chef.
2: Thanks for listening to us Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.